0: thank y'all again for coming out. I'm um, going to ask y'all a favor. Ask y'all a favor. Uh, please listen to me tonight. I mean, I know like y'all do. I know y'all do. Uh, but, uh, but like really, really listen to me tonight. I say that because I was talking to our staff. Uh, and and if, you, if you know someone who's not here, tell them to listen to this podcast. And I'll tell you why. Uh, we're putting this on podcast. That's why I, is recording that, why it may be a little loud. I don't know uh, if it is. Don't blame me, blame Chris. Uh, no, I was talking to our staff yesterday, and I said, You know, I think I'm more excited about this message uh, than everything else we got going on this weekend. Uh, and, and here's the deal on that uh, Easter morning is going to be awesome celebration. Uh, we're going to celebrate baptisms. Praise God! Praise God! We're going to celebrate <laughs> baptisms. Uh, And, and, you know, the Easter message is, you know, life and everybody's happy. I mean, you know, I mean, it's hard to mess up Easter. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Amen. And, uh, but I was thinking about tonight. See, I think we often uh, take Thursday night for granted. But so much of the gospel happened Thursday night into Friday morning pre the cross. And, And you'll see, you know, an enactment of what happened at the cross tomorrow, noon, Hope y'all are here. It'll be awesome. Excited about that. But we often uh, take Thursday night for granted. And so as I was thinking about my message, I got more and more excited about really uh, telling uh, the gospel in what happened on Thursday night. And so that's why I say, please, please listen. Because, like, this is it's really important stuff uh, for your life, for for our world. Now, uh, also on Thursday night, before Friday morning, uh, a battle was going down. Um, the, I mean, like the greatest battle you can imagine, fathom in all of history, because it was forces of evil against forces of good, and they were all colliding in the life, in the soul of Jesus Christ. I mean, I love Lord of the Rings. Who likes Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings, not many, okay, interesting. I like Lord of the Rings, I thought y'all would like that. But, uh, you know, just like you think about that good and evil, uh, you know, times whatever number was going down in the soul of Jesus being attacked by the devil. He won and defeated, but uh, it, it, it's hard for us to fathom what was going down in his, in his life into the garden, uh, but it was. Uh, my students uh, teach two classes, and this morning, they're not in school tomorrow, and I asked them a question. Ask everybody that, that I taught who was there a question. Uh, we did a little exercise, circled up, and I said, uh, the question is, if you describe Easter to a person, what it means as a Christian, what would you say? Answer that, or answer... If you are not a Christian, how would you like Easter to be described to you? What was fascinating is that, that many couldn't come up with uh, a good way to like talk about Easter and what it meant as a Christian, but they could answer the other question, if they were not a Christian, how they would like for it to be described, which I thought was very interesting. And what they said was, we wished it was described like in a clear way, like you know, I mean, we, we always hear it's important, it's more important than Christmas, even though you only get two days, Christmas you get two weeks. We always hear, you know, we, we always get the, the resurrection part, but like, you know, cross, uh, blood, uh, Thursday communion service, like, what's it all about? What's it mean? And so they answer, like, I, that they would like for someone to, to tell them the real story. Like, show us what it, it means uh, let us know, like, like what, what's the deal? It's not just that we have everlasting life. That's part of Easter, but what is it? So I was thinking about that all day, like how I would tell the story. And it is a story. It's the greatest story in history. Uh, but I, I came up with a phrase, try, trying to put it all together. So I'm going to say it to you and then break it down. You know, Easter is uh, that God sent his Son as a servant to defeat the serpent and save us from the slavery of sin to sanctify us by His Spirit. A lot of S's there. I know. That's, uh, I can remember it easier. But let me say that again. And uh, you write it down. Maybe I'll tweet it tonight if you want it. God sent His Son as a servant to defeat the serpent and save us from the slavery of sin to sanctify us by His Spirit. Now let me break that down. That's why this talk is important, okay? God sent a Son. This is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. His only Son with Him for can't, We don't even have the language to describe when the beginning was the Son of God. You know, all things were created. He sent His Son out of love for us. Yet, this is important to understand, as a servant, as a suffering servant. And I want to read, you know, it's not often this is read over, uh, over Easter, but it should be. Isaiah 53... I uh, should have said that earlier because you, you may not have time to flip through it before I start reading. But anyway, Isaiah 53, it's dark in here so you can't read it anyway, just listen to me. Isaiah 53, I'm going to start verse 2. I can't even read it, hold on. Uh, verse 2, and I'm going to go down uh, a bit. But you need to hear this. He grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. Powerful words by Isaiah uh, talking about uh, Jesus Christ. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. This is the night Jesus was crushed, began to be crushed. He was a servant. He was sent uh, to serve the Lord, and he gave us a model of service. Now, he also came to defeat the serpent. Uh, I don't like snakes, don't like snakes. I actually took some time, it's been a crazy week, lot's going on, and I I literally just drove out in the middle of the afternoon, I was like, I got to get to myself. I drove to the Overlook Pass on the natural trace of the reservoir, just sat there for a minute, and I thought there'd be like a bench, you know, I could sit on, there wasn't a bench. Anyway, so uh, there was a tree stump, and so I walked out, and I, I literally thought, you know, springtime, you know, I was looking out for snakes, okay, hadn't turkey hunted yet, Hope it doesn't rain Monday morning. But anyway, you know, worried, uh, worried about uh, snakes. And, you know, there was, a, um, there was a quote by Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if he said this or he wrote it. it it's, really, it's really interesting. I love history. He said, you know, if I see a serpent on the road, I will get a stick and kill it. However, what if there is uh, a serpent asleep Uh, in the cradle of a sleeping child. I cannot wake the child because if I do, I might wake the serpent and harm the child. I cannot kill the serpent because I would wake the serpent and he would harm the child. What uh, am I to do? It's a fascinating quote because he was talking uh, about the young uh, nation that we live in, the birth and uh, the sin, the serpent, uh, was the curse of slavery. And he was saying, you know, how do we kill it? How do we kill it? It's embraced around us. I think God gave me that quote this week. I remembered it. Because it's also applicable. Think about this. It's also applicable to every human, every human life. You're like, What are you talking about? We, we're born, I mean... Beautiful baby, beautiful life. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, God created us. It's, it's beautiful. Every life, every, every person, awesome, amazing. And yet, in every life, there is, it's like there's a serpent in the garden. There's a serpent. That serpent is, is sin. So the question is, how do you kill the serpent without killing the person? How do, you, how do you kill sin while, while keeping humanity alive? How, how, do you, how do you pay the price of sin and yet not kill humanity? That really convicted me because I think, that's tr- I think that's every life. I think that's the need for being saved. So Jesus came to defeat the serpent. There was a serpent in the garden, the Garden of Eden. Uh, In Genesis 3:15, the Lord says to the serpent, uh, He shall bruise your head. He shall bruise your head. Foreshadowing that Jesus would stomp on the serpent's head. Serpent is the devil. Revelation 22 calls the devil that ancient serpent. Jesus came to defeat uh, the works of the devil, to defeat uh, the devil. He came to do that. Now, you're like, well, how how did he do that? Well, to crush the serpent, he allowed himself to be crushed. He took the punishment, the penalty of sin. He said, you don't have to crush them. Crush me. He defeated death by dying. To defeat something, you have to go through it. He embraced death. He died. He defeated death. He defeated the serpent. He defeated death. You see, the serpent enslaves us. So he freed us from the slavery of sin. Nobody likes to be enslaved. People want to be free. I mean, that's for, for you young folks uh, in high school and in college. I mean, the big mantra, in my mantra, you know, I want to be free. You know, seniors, you can't wait to be free. Can't wait to uh, be out. On my own. I want freedom. You don't know, want to be shackled down. We don't like to be enslaved, yet so many are. Uh, So many who know Jesus remain enslaved in the sin. And I'm just talking about addictions or, you know, we can kind of pick your poison, you know, alcohol, lust, drugs, greed, you know, pick it. But the enslavement of sin, we're we're enslaved. Jesus came to free us. You're like, how? Well, you go back into God's Word. The people of God, the Israelites, they knew what slavery was all about. They were enslaved in Egypt. They were slaves. How were they saved? By the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. Those people would be in slavery again. Babylon. When Jesus came, they believed, not formal, but they believed that they were in slavery by Rome. They looked to Jesus He is going to free us. He is the Messiah, and that Messiah would triumph over Roman rule and free them. Jesus came to bring freedom, came to end all slavery of sin, but it was in a, in a greater way than the early disciples could uh, imagine. It's a greater way than we can imagine today. He came to set us free from the curse of being enslaved in sin of that temptation that the same serpent then still uses every ounce of energy in his pathetic life to say, you can still be God. You can still be God. He really doesn't want the best for you. Same lie happened in Genesis 3. Happened probably right now. You know better. You know better. This is hogwash. Some of you might be saying, hope not. But anyway, that happens. That happens. Jesus came to free us. How did He do it? Well, this is where we get into that Thursday night, because He He says it, Luke twenty-two, Luke twenty-two, verse fourteen. So this is Thursday night. This is the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, and He's talking about a freedom that is greater than, than really any of us can imagine, than they can imagine. Freedom from all sin, the power of sin, the curse of sin. Freedom from the fear of death, a new covenant. When the hour came, this is verse 14, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this, divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Set it for them. He says it for us tonight. Given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant. The new covenant in my blood. Covenant. What is a covenant? Covenant is... Is is more than a promise. It is people saying, "You know, I'm I'm with you. I'm here. Uh, I'm in, and you're in." So Jesus is saying, "I am in. I am in, in your life. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you." The new covenant. I will pay the price for all sin. I will pay the penalty. I will defeat death. These are Jesus' words. It's what it's what happened. It's what it means. To free us from the slavery of sin. And then to sanctify us by His Spirit. Because once you know that, and some of you do know that, and and I pray all of us do know that, that in Jesus Christ, if you're like, what does Easter mean? Is that God sent His Son as a servant to defeat the serpent fully by being crushed, yes, on the cross. And to free us from the slavery of being enslaved by the power of sin. You can live free. And then when you know that, It's not over yet, to sanctify us by His Spirit. Sanctify is a word, some of you may not know it, it really, it means growth. Uh, It means becoming holy, uh, living as Jesus uh, lived. You know, you can thank my wife on this, you can thank her for much. You know, she said something to me, well, you should do this. You know, and I said, well, I'm not Jesus this week. She's like, okay, Okay. didn't Jesus say, you know, kind of follow me and, you know, do the things I did, you know, live like me. You kind of grow in Jesus, right, sweetie? So she called me out, yeah, as I was called out. Sanctify. This, this night shows us what sanctification is, too. Now, I don't think the disciples realized it at the time. I don't think we realized at the time. First thing, what did Jesus do that night? He washed their feet. He washed, he served them. To grow is to serve others. Uh, to grow is to give grace even to people who don't deserve it. It's Christian growth. It's hard to do. You can't do it without Jesus. It's, it's not in our nature. Another deal of sanctification of Christian growth is to forgive. That night, Jesus forgave Peter. Before the fact, later in Luke, you know, Peter's like, you know, I, I'm with you to the end. Jesus says, you're going to deny me, Peter. He even says, Satan has asked to sift you, but I have prayed for you. That when you regain your faith, you will strengthen your brothers. Jesus is saying, I believe in you, Peter, and now go and strengthen others. Sanctification for us is believing in people when they don't deserve it and encouraging them to strengthen others. Sanctification is making disciples. And we can do that by the power of his Holy Spirit. The other important, one of the other important things about that night is Jesus talked a lot about the Holy Spirit doesn't do it in Luke as in John. That he sends the Holy Spirit, sends the Comforter, calls the Spirit the Comforter. Some of you need to be comforted tonight. Uh, some of us seek comfort uh, in people over and over again. And, and they will give comfort for, for a, a while, but it will never truly fill us or suffice. It does by the Holy Spirit. We're sanctified to grow by the Spirit's power. All of this is in Easter. It's all in Easter. And then the story continues. Jesus goes to the garden. And, you know, many, um, and this may or may not interest you, but I I really want to share it. Many think that uh, the main point of Jesus' suffering did not happen at the cross, but happened in the garden of Gethsemane, when this battle, this war was being raged uh, in his soul. And when he said these words, He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He was in the garden. He was alone. His disciples had fallen asleep and not listened, not stayed awake. And he said, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to to suffer this. Physically, uh, the suffering of the soul, the suffering of being separated. But he did. Because that was the Father's will. Um, he he walked into more suffering than we can ever fathom. He walked into a place where God was absent for us. He took on sin, all of it. Now, the story continues. He will be arrested. Uh, I always like waking up uh, really early on Friday morning and thinking about what was going down. Arrested. Jesus wouldn't sleep. He'd be whipped. He put on the cross. Tomorrow we'll talk about that. But for now, as we come to take communion, you know what do you do? What do you do? God sent his son as a servant to defeat the serpent and save us from the slavery of sin to sanctify us by his spirit. It's the gospel. So much of the gospel is encapsulated in this in this night. And often we miss it. Often we sleep. It. Don't miss it tonight. So I'd ask you, what do you do now? Remember. Remember this time as we come forward to take communion. Remember more tonight. Like, don't just, I mean, I mean, go have dinner, enjoy it, but remember tonight. Remember. Repent. You know, repentance doesn't just happen in the moment where you receive salvation, baptism. It happens daily. It happens daily for me. Repent now and Rise. Rise. Jesus says that at at the end as he begins walking to the cross. He says, rise and pray. You will not enter into temptation. Remember with your mind. Repent with your heart. Rise with your body in life in Christ. You have that because of Jesus. You have this tonight. Have it this weekend. Have it forever. It's good news. It is good news. God sent his son. He was a servant. Defeating the serpent. Saving us from sin. Sanctifying us by his spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray we'd remember, I pray we'd repent, I pray we'd rise all in the power of Christ, in his name, amen.